Hello and welcome to Skepticast, the show that makes you cocktail party smart in 15 minutes-ish. Today, we're continuing our series on Joe Biden's policy proposals. Papa Joe recently announced a new climate and energy plan that, depending on who you listen to, will single-handedly save planet Earth or bring about a communist nightmare. I hope this series is useful because prepping for it has been, like, physically painful. Biden's campaign website is the only writing worse than the last season of Game of Thrones. God, the things I do for you, my millions of fans. Today, we'll be talking about it in two parts, the policy and the politics. But first, wait, what? A segment in which my producer Mimi reads to me the best and worst headlines of the week. U.S. orders China to close Houston consulate. Footage aired by local television stations purportedly showed people burning documents on the consulate's premises. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, like, it's not funny that U.S.-China relations are at, like, our worst point maybe since Mao. But, like, I do just think it's hilarious. Like, I'm just picturing, like, an episode of The Office, except it's at the Chinese consulate, and they're all just like, fuck, 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 needing to burn, like, all of their documents. Uh... Justice Department won't challenge the merger of Taboola and Outbrain. The content, widely referred to as clickbait, is designed to be hard for readers to resist. Taboola's recent content feed, for example, included, remember these Star Trek women? This is how they look now. And passive-aggressive windshield notes left by the angriest neighbors. I love, this is honestly the first time I've actually ever thought about the business of, like, producing that content. Which I always assumed was just sort of, like, some kind of trolls under a bridge, by which I mean TMZ, just producing random-ass content. I love that there's, like, a little monopoly, that there's, like, an intense legal battle in the world of, like, look at these elderly, big-breasted Star Trek rejects. Weather forecasts are less accurate because of COVID-19, a new study reveals. The forecasts that meteorologists create for hurricanes rely in part on computer models. The data comes from a variety of tools, including aircraft and cruise ships. Weather forecasts have literally never been accurate. This is like a good example of people really abusing the COVID-19 excuse. They're like, oh, I can't. It's because of COVID. It's like the elevators in my building don't work and their safety permit expired a year ago. And then the building was like, oh, it's because of COVID. Like, bitch, COVID was not here a year ago. Like weather forecasts were never accurate. It's not COVID. Now on to the main story for the week, Joe Biden's new energy and climate proposal. He announced a plan to invest $2 trillion over the course of his first four years in office, and the new plan is pretty ambitious. This is a campaign proposal, so as we all know, that means if he's elected, it will be implemented word for word in its entirety. Actually, even if Biden becomes president, most of what gets implemented depends on whether or not anyone has captured and destroyed Mitch McConnell's final horcrux, a deep-fried Confederate flag buried deep in a Kentucky swamp. Campaign proposals are about policy, but they're really about communicating a candidate's vision and about getting elected. The cynical part of me, which is just all of me, would say this plan is pretty politically calculated, but I guess a less cynical argument is that this is basically the candidate's value statement. A lot of what's in here is still kind of classic Biden, but with a nice little extra hint of progressivism. So we're going to talk about this in two parts, because two parts feels nice and satisfying. Let's start with the policy proposal itself. Now, if you want to just know all the details yourself, you can go to Joe Biden's official site and just read it. 
I strongly encourage you never to do so, because it reads like it was written by a campaign intern who just got high freebasing a CNN panel and then had a stroke. So really, we're looking at two plans here. First is, quote, the Biden plan to build a modern, sustainable infrastructure and an equitable, clean energy future. Then, the Biden plan to secure environmental justice and equitable economic opportunity in a clean energy future. Well, catchy. These are both part of Biden's Build Back Better initiative. This, this man is allergic to good branding. Um, so, the highlights. It's uh, $2 trillion over the next four years, or Biden's first term. This is much, much more aggressive than his first proposal, which was $1.7 trillion over 10 years. Uh, this proposal targets zero carbon emissions by 2035, whereas his previous plan targeted that by 2050. Apparently, he decided he likes Miami above water, because this means the U.S. would actually be doing our part to meet the U.N. panel on climate change's finding that we need to cut global carbon emissions in half by 2030. Under this plan, we would be cutting ours completely by 2035. Uh, so Biden defended his plan. Look, these aren't pie-in-the-sky dreams. These are actionable policies that we can get to work on right away. We can live up to our responsibilities, meet the challenges of a world at risk of a climate catastrophe, build more climate-resilient communities, put millions of skilled workers on the job, and make life markedly better and safer. Wow. A stirring speech in which an elderly man actually says complete sentences. Biden's plan has seven major focus areas, and I'm not going to lie, not all of them are kind of clearly differentiated. Uh, so the priority areas are infrastructure, the auto industry, transportation, the power sector, agriculture, buildings, and environmental justice and economic opportunity. Aren't some of these categories kind of redundant? Uh, yeah. So infrastructure is about investing in roads and bridges, the power grid, and water treatment centers. So reading this, this one actually seems it's more like it's about dealing with the U.S. shitty infrastructure. And, and this is true. The U.S. Society of Civil Engineers actually gives U.S. infrastructure a D+. So the plan, it also includes major investment in public transportation, inland waterways, and so on. In making these investments, he would be reducing pollution from cars and from shipping routes, and also helping solve a very serious problem. The plan also, under infrastructure, includes expanding access to broadband networks to the 19 million people in the U.S. who currently do not have access to broadband. What does that have to do with climate change? Well, it's good for poor people, Mimi, and some people care about them. But actually, it is really beneficial for communities like those who might be affected by the loss of coal jobs. And traditionally, these communities uh, do not get a lot of investment in, in terms of infrastructure and, and other kind of social programs. His program also talks about investing in, quote, brownfield properties. Brownfield properties sounds like it's a real estate private equity firm run by a bunch of guys cosplaying American Psycho, but it's actually an official term for agricultural and natural lands rendered unusable due to pollution. And the EPA estimates that the United States currently has over 450,000 of these sites. So, on to the auto industry. First, he points out that he saved the auto industry back in 2008. Joe's very proud of that. And his plan to revive the U.S. auto industry now mostly consists of him driving his 64 Chevy Camaro around and shouting malarkey at anybody not driving an American car. And on breaks from doing that, he'll fund the construction of 500,000 electric car charging stations, strengthen fuel economy standards, and create federal subsidies for consumers to upgrade or trade in their current cars for a more fuel-efficient model. 
It was kind of restarting like a cash for clunkers program. At the same time, he also wants to focus a lot on public transportation and invest in national railway. If you know anything about Biden, you know his second favorite thing on earth is taking the Amtrak from Delaware to Scranton for a milkshake. I'm actually kind of surprised by that because I'm from Detroit and given Michigan's important selection, I would have expected Biden to want to stay on the UAW's good side. Actually, the UAW, the United Auto Workers Union, was pretty happy with the plan overall. Uh, Biden's plan is very explicit in its support for union jobs and American labor. As just one example, the word union appears over 30 times in this policy proposal. And he spends a lot of time emphasizing that the new jobs generated would use union labor or these workers would have the option of joining a union and not just in the auto part. Now, moving on to agriculture, one interesting thing here was the creation of the Civilian Climate Corps, basically like a mass mobilization of people who would be restoring wetlands, they'd be planting trees, uh, helping manage forests and thin forests to minimize fire risk. And another, uh, about 250,000 workers would be dedicated to cleaning up resource extraction sites and surrounding areas. He gets a nice little jab in here about oil and gas CEOs who have failed to take care of their extraction sites and a lot of the surrounding areas. And honestly, is there an easier target on Earth than an oil and gas CEO? From there, he moves on to talk about buildings. So his plan wants to retrofit over 4 million buildings and every single public school to be more energy efficient and save costs. Before we've even gotten to the additional 4 million buildings, just on the public school thing, the U.S. has 7.5 billion square feet of public school buildings. So he doesn't provide enough info to get into the numbers, but it's actually pretty easy to see that if you do make school more energy efficient, we could save a lot of money in the long run and reduce a lot of emissions. The second prong of this whole thing is the environmental justice part, or the Biden plan to secure environmental justice and equitable economic opportunity in a clean energy future. This part on the site feels tailor-made to address a lot of his critics on the left who felt the burn and do not feel the Biden. So he would set up a new division within the Department of Justice to handle environmental justice claims. So that means like if the land you live on gets polluted by a big company, the Department of Justice will have a lot more resources to help you. Or if your job is harmed because of climate change or investments in new energy, you'd be able to file a claim with the Environmental Protection Agency. He also says that 40% of his spending of, of that $2 trillion would go to disadvantaged communities and communities of color. So it's sort of a jobs plan and a climate change plan rolled up into one. And how was all this paid for? He would raise the corporate tax from 21% to 28%, which actually does not pay for all of this. The gap would be paid for with, quote, additional stimulus. Then he wraps it all up by saying his policies would be based on data and science. Upon hearing this, Fox News collectively began clutching their crosses, rocking back and forth, and whispering, this is the end. So what's the takeaway here? Um, basically, Biden did a complete 180 on climate change because he was tired of being cyberbullied by Greta Thunberg. Yes. Biden wants to spend $2 trillion over the course of his first term on things like infrastructure, building modernization, and agriculture. His goal is to make the U.S. carbon neutral by 2035, and he claims his plan would, in total create directly over 2 million jobs. It would be paid for by a corporate tax increase and, quote, some additional stimulus money. Now let's go on to something super chill and always rational, politics. So the Democratic primary wasn't as angry and bitter as a lot of pundits had predicted. 
Elizabeth Warren bowed out and went to a great policy conference in the sky, and Pete Buttigieg bleached his hair and moved to West Hollywood. Oh, um, for the for the straights listening, if a gay man in your life bleaches his hair, that's actually a distress signal. It's like when a white woman gets bangs, something's gone horribly wrong. I'm just saying, if you want to be a good ally, I think it's important for you to, to know that. So when Biden won the nomination, a lot of left-wing organizations began trending on Twitter because they were refusing to ad- endorse him. And like most things on Twitter, absolutely no one cared. Biden is following a really weird pattern here, though. Because the normal thing to do in a primary campaign is you play to your base, and then you tack to the middle in the general election to appeal to a broader array of voters. So in a primary, normally Democrats would offer everyone free health care and the charred body of a private equity associate. But Biden actually stayed pretty centrist in the primary. And then now that we're in the general, he's actually arguably become a little bit more progressive. But he's doing it in a pretty interesting way. So he didn't endorse the Green New Deal. But here's Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez explaining the Green New Deal. Ultimately, the Green New Deal is centered on three core principles. The first is the full decarbonization of the U.S. economy. The second core principle is a just transition for all frontline communities. And that just transition allows us to center the most impacted communities in the climate crisis and address issues of environmental injustice. And the third, of course, is to create millions of jobs in the process. So according to AOC, the three priorities of the Green New Deal were to make the U.S. carbon neutral, to ensure an equitable transition, and to create new jobs. Biden never endorsed the Green New Deal, but he released a plan that gets us to being carbon neutral, has explicit plans for a just transition, and aims to create well over 2 million jobs. So it's not exactly the Green New Deal, but it comes very close. It's like Natty Light. It's not real beer, but if you don't think too much about it, you might not notice. So Papa Joe is getting kind of progressive. It's weird watching old people get more progressive. It goes against the natural order of things. It's like like seeing a dog walk on its hind legs. Like It's enjoyable, but it still kind of feels weird. However, the plan does not call for banning fracking, And that still does put Biden decidedly in the more centrist camp, whereas a lot of diehard progressives have called for fracking bans. Biden probably doesn't want to ban fracking because, one, he's actually a centrist at heart, and two, Pennsylvania, where he's from, is a huge natural oil and gas state. It's also a really important swing state, and I don't know, I have like this weird feeling that the people running his campaign, they kind of want to do this weird thing where he might actually win an election? I don't know, it's just like a hunch. Uh, Jay Inslee, the governor of Washington and a major liberal star on climate change, basically endorsed this plan in an interview with New York Magazine. The Sunrise Movement, a very vocal liberal climate change youth group, which once gave Biden an F for his climate policies, seemed cautiously optimistic about his new plan, though they were very sure to end their press release to give themselves all of the credit for Biden's new plan. So the folks on the left who can rally campaign donations, knock on doors, or like, I don't know, Zoom breakout rooms, uh, help register people to vote, and so on, they seem to be coming around. So what about the conservative criticism? Honestly, the Republicans are, are like not even creative at this point. The conservative response was like two, was two angles. One called him a climate alarmist and a dystopian socialist. Another called him a jobs killer and a dystopian socialist. 
One line of attack criticized the government spending and new taxes required to fund it. The argument advanced by a Fox News op-ed is that this will kill jobs and it won't be made up for by any new investments. For its part, oil and gas lobbying group the Western Energy Alliance just accused him of climate alarmism and didn't really seem concerned with the details of his proposal. I will say one interesting criticism, though, is that Biden wants to move entirely to renewable energy, but some, especially on the right, argue natural gas is actually really effective at reducing carbon emissions. And so by focusing too much on renewable energy, we could be kind of shooting ourselves in the foot. It em so natural gas emits about half as much carbon as coal for the same amount of electricity production. But the liberal counter argument is that it does emit less than coal, but it still emits a lot more than genuine renewable energy like wind or solar. So it's at best a, quote, bridge energy material, and all efforts should still be focused on moving away from it. Trump, in between golfing and giving nonsensical Fox News interviews, called Biden a radical. And I mean, I know he's like moving a little bit left, but I, I don't know. Calling Biden a radical to me, it's like as convincing as calling Donald Trump a feminist. It just doesn't click. Like, he is putting forward some progressive policies, but the dude is never more comfortable than when he's just towel-slapping a bro in the locker room and going for a root beer float. Like, Biden may be many things, but a dystopian socialist, he ain't. So what's the takeaway here? Biden definitely got more aggressive on climate change with his proposal. He linked it heavily to union jobs, though, so a lot of labor union leaders were pretty supportive. That helps him counteract Republican claims that this is just a job killer. The Republican line of attack is to tie him as closely as possible to Bernie Sanders, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and the word socialism. But honestly, it seems pretty hard to convince people that a centrist grandpa from Scranton is hell-bent on doing anything other than making it home in time to watch mass reruns over a nice TV dinner. That's our episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you've been enjoying our podcast, we would love you to leave a rating on Apple Podcasts and subscribe there. And we hope you tune in next week.